Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Rodrigo for Asensio. Now Valverde! Oh, yes! What a goal. What a goal! Is there anything this man cannot do? Everything he touches right now turns to gold. A thunderbolt, a beauty, a screamer from Valverde. La Liga lowdown. Today, relentless Real Madrid. Another French kiss for Atleti. Unwanted records, unnecessary red cards... Five-star Rayo, a Korean KO for Gattuso, more points for Pachetta's Puthela, and Valverde's return to Camp Nou ends in a heavy defeat. La del otro día. Hello everyone and welcome to this Match Day 11 recap. I'm your host Matt Clark and I'm delighted to be joined from Barcelona by Roman Darque. He's enjoyed seeing Barca thrash Athletic Club 4-0. And we will start at the top of the table uh, because Real Madrid extended their lead to six points on Saturday evening with a win over Sevilla, 3-1. And of course, Barca had to respond on Sunday night, which they duly did. Atleti also had a win away at Betis to complete the top three. And it now looks quite a familiar big three in La Liga. So let's start then, Roman, with Real Madrid's win over Sevilla. Uh, an early goal from Modric, brilliantly created by Vinny. It looked like it was going to be a long night for San Paoli's side, but to be fair, they kind of stayed in the game, got level through Eric Lamela, uh, and then it was quite late on that the champions eventually pulled away with goals from Lucas Vasquez and then Fede Valverde's now customary goal from outside the box. Uh, first of all, what did you make of their performance and uh, how good was it from them to, to win against a, a big side like Sevilla? Well, I mean, it kind of feels like uh, Madrid a bit invincible now at the moment because even if they're not at their best, I mean, they're still getting the results. You know, that's, that's I think, one of the main characteristics of uh, this uh, Real Madrid by Ancelotti. You know, that uh, whatever, you know, the mood is or, or whether they're playing well or not, you know, in the end they get the three points or, or they get something, you know, and, and that's what's really... Uh, allowing them to 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 seem like a, such a strong and, and powerful side, and against Sevilla, honestly, um, I honestly didn't expect Sevilla to to put up a fight. But you know, they got the one-one draw. It seemed like maybe uh, they could do something, and and maybe when when Sevilla were a bit better, we could say on, on the field, uh, that's when Real Madrid, you know, found their opportunity as they tend to do. You know, and they they just have this capability of of finding goals out of nowhere. Their counter attacks are just. 
uh, tremendous. And Lucas Vázquez, of course, put them in front with that 2-1. And then, uh, again, Fede Valverde with uh, one of his classics, as you said, outside-the-box goals. Uh, sealed the deal a bit unfair maybe for Sevilla who deserved a bit more I think that 3-1 might be uh, a big a, a big scoreline uh, for Real Madrid but you know that's that's what they do uh, they keep uh, uh, in, within the game within winning distance all the time every time and in the end they get what they need which are the points or, or the results yeah you mentioned that invincibility of Real Madrid uh, it's interesting because last season, you know, the, their backbone was Thibaut Courtois and Karim Benzema, two fundamental players for them. But this season, the two of them have only played together in six of the 16 games so far <laughs> this season. They've both missed quite large chunks. Benzema missing. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Courtois back, but Benzema missing in this game. So yep. can can anyone stop them? Can anyone beat them? It's a good question. I mean, I do think at some point they... they... They will lose games, uh, whether it's in the Champions League or in the Liga. I mean, they did draw against Osasuna, who who really put up a fight there, and and they did really well to to um, prevent them from from scoring and from getting more goals. I, I'd say, uh, but um, it is true that they look so solid, and I think I, I mentioned this in the previous pod with uh, with you or, or Rory uh, that uh, this season Real Madrid just look really really solid. You know, it doesn't matter that Benzema isn't sharp or that Courtois isn't there or that some other player isn't performing. The team as a whole is really compact and, and really solid and Ancelotti has kind of uh, taken the team a step forward, I think, this season and they look even more competitive in that sense, you know, where they get what they need uh, even if they have uh, worse circumstances or they have certain problems. They just overcome those, you know, with the rest of their players and Fede Valverde stepping up, Rodrigo, etc. It's just proof of that, you know. So it's hard to say, but I do think at some point they should lose a game. I don't really see them being invincible right until the end. But so far, man, it's, it's been really impressive for them. Yeah, I suppose the question will be asked the longer it continues. Uh, I have to ask then, Fede Valverde, highly praised by pretty much everyone who's seen him play this season. Ancelotti was singing his praises. He's been compared to, to Steven Gerrard in, in his peak. Is Valverde the best player in the league right now? I mean, that's that's too much for me, honestly. For example, in the Clásico, I thought Cross was was the better player in that game, uh, even though Valverde was fantastic. I mean, Fede is scoring goals, but if he wasn't scoring these um, wonder goals from outside the box, maybe he wouldn't be talked about as much. Of course, he's still really fundamental for them and doing uh, really good, but to say he's the best player in the La Liga, for me, you know, it's a step too far. Like uh, Lewandowski, you know, he's still getting goals. Uh, there's plenty of talented players who are doing well in La Liga and, and other players that, you know, maybe don't shine as much because they don't score goals, but they're there, you know, doing hard work. So, uh, I don't like saying a guy is the best player and also let's not forget there's still a long long way to go and you know now Valverde is injured we don't know how he's going to return from that injury uh, hopefully it's not too bad I think it's just for a game at the moment maybe two uh, but yeah I think it's it's too soon to jump onto conclusions but definitely he's having a, a fantastic start to the season mm. yeah nasty challenge from Papu Gomez on the Uruguayan and of course yeah. so close to the World Cup now every player going down There'll be, you know, gasps of, of fear and, and worry from fans of, of those respective nations. OK, then, yes, another win for Real Madrid. They now uh, go on to the Champions League game against Leipzig. They're already qualified, of course, so no danger for them there. Uh, as for your team, Barca, uh, a fantastic performance once again after they beat Villarreal 3-0 in midweek. They went one better this time with a 4-0 win over Athletic Club on Ernesto Valverde's return to Camp Now. Roman. You enjoyed this game, didn't you? 
<laughs> Absolutely, I thought it was a, a really solid performance from um, Barcelona. I actually was a bit worried, you know, because Athletic Club have been playing really well. They have been a very strong away side this season. And also Ernesto Valverde coming back kind of scared me a bit after uh, how harsh maybe fans were with him, uh, me included at some point, to be fair. And I thought maybe he'd come back, you know, and, and, and haunt us in a way. But <laughs> luckily that wasn't the case, you know, and, and Barca had another fantastic game. And I like to see how we we solved both matches in, in different circumstances because I thought Villarreal were a team which were more laid back, you know, they tried to make the most of their defensive capacities uh, this season because, I mean, they've been one of the sides to concede fewest goals so far, whereas Athletic Club were the opposite, like pressing really high, trying to go forward, pushing, looking for those counters. So, I mean, in both scenarios, I think we performed really well and, and uh, particularly in this one against Athletic Club, we look really strong. I mean, we're regaining control of that midfield, which I thought was maybe one of the problems Bar- Barca's Xavi was having recently, where, you know, Barca's midfield wasn't really being so reliable and it was good to see that we could also play Busquets and De Jong together uh, moving Pedri more towards the wing which I thought was was a smart idea to have more control as I was saying and so in that sense I think it's important to get the momentum out of these two wins to face Bayern Munich even though we might play that game already being eliminated from uh, the next round of the Champions League but despite that I do think that Barca will want to kind of prove a point that even if they're eliminated you know they can still go and, and beat a Bayern Munich uh, in Europe so um, I'm sure that Xavi is going to go all in in that game no matter what happens before between Inter and Victoria Pilsen Yeah a big night at Cam now probably whatever happens um, the fans certainly will be up for it and wanting to, to make a bit of a statement even if it is futile in terms of that competition I was going to ask mm-hmm. you about the tactical side then as, as you say four midfielders from Xavi uh, Busquets and De Jong starting together and uh, Pedri and Gavi of course and even when Gavi came off injured we'll maybe touch on that in a moment even then he brought on Frank Kessier rather than bringing on a, an attacker and this of course was at 3-0 so Xavi still wanting to go with this kind of controlled midfield uh, option which hasn't always been his way so far opting for more verticality uh, so yeah, what did you make of that decision and do you think that's going to continue going forward? Yeah, I mean, as, as I said, I, I personally liked it myself because I thought it, it gained, gave us that control that I was saying because as you mentioned, you know, uh, when we were playing with two wingers, it was more like uh, feeding balls to Rafinha, feeding balls to Usman Dembele, to Ansu, you know, and kind of letting them uh, try and figure it out on their own and it hadn't really worked because uh, Usman wasn't really finding him himself, Rafinha either. Uh, Ansu did have some moments, but uh, I don't think that was what Barca needed. And here, I think there was a more of a compensated um, play, you know, between both things, more control in the midfield, but at the same time, letting Usman have the ball now and then, letting Ansu uh, get his opportunities. And I, I think that really worked well. Whether he's going to keep using this against Bayern Munich or in, in future games, I'm not so sure because I don't know if he did it because he wanted to maybe give some rest to those wingers or if he actually uh, was looking for that control. So that that will be interesting to see whether in Bayern Munich he, we can confirm this theory that he actually wants to have more control or not. So I personally wouldn't mind continuing with that because I think it worked really well. But of course, I mean, uh, there's been lots of minutes, lots of players in that midfield are probably quite tired even though most are going to play for sure. We'll have to see what happens with Gabi, although it doesn't seem very important. Uh, I don't know if it could, there could be any consequences you know, towards him playing uh, that game against Bayern Munich. So if, if he's unavailable, most likely we'll see two wingers again. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what Xavi is, is looking for now and, and if this is part of, of his um, 
not new Barca, but uh, his new way of, of making the team click, you know. Mm, it was quite a, a forceful challenge from Dani Garcia on Gavi. Looked like a, a knee to the groin area. Um, but yeah, speaking of individual performances, Ousmane Dembele, the Mosquito, had a lot of bite in this game. A goal and three assists. The first player to do that since Luis Suarez against Alaves in 2019, which, bizarrely enough, was Ernesto Valverde's last home game in charge of Barca. <laughs> So, in other words, Valverde's had consecutive games at Camp Nou of this <laughs> event happening. Uh, crazy stuff, Roman. Uh, but, yeah, how impressed were you with Ousmane Dembélé? Fantastic stat, by the way, Matt. I really like that. <laughs> and Ousmane, I mean, he, he was the Ousmane uh, I saw at the beginning of the season uh, with Xabi. He started off really well, even at the end of the last season. I mean, Ousmane was looking like a, a proper Ousmane, the, the player we actually wanted here at the club because it had been so many years of, of really underperforming or being so underwhelming but finally it seemed like Xavi had recovered him and, and then suddenly it's been like a month or two where he's kind of you know dissipated and, and lost all that capacity he had making really bad decisions and today he just uh, found himself once again and it was the Usman as I said we saw at the beginning of the season who just looks so capable of, of getting past any player of finding assists really easily and you know his his shots uh, can be really really dangerous when he when he's feeling comfortable so I'm happy to see that I hope he can keep it up because he really needs this consistency not just for himself but also to kind of convince Barca fans because there is a big division in Barcelona between those that really like Usman and those that are still not convinced in all, at all and wouldn't mind him leaving next next summer so I mean for him for his sake and for uh, fan sake and everyone's sake at Barcelona of course I think uh, it'd be great if he could keep this up for, for longer because at this level he is a very very good good player yeah he certainly turned on the style at Cam now on Sunday night well rounding off the top three then we've got another Frenchman in the headlines because it was a Antoine Griezmann show at the Benito Villamarín as Atleti won 2-1 against Real Betis. Betis's first home defeat of the season in La Liga and there was a lot of French flavour on show. An Olympic goal from Griezmann opened the scoring before another flowing move put him one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, Rui Silva. He doubled the lead. Perhaps Rui Silva should have done better. Nabil Fekir then came on and he, uh, he was pivotal in changing the game. He scored a direct free kick and uh, ne they nearly got level with an Alex Moreno header which hit the crossbar late on. But Atleti have now won five away games out of six. Very impressive from them. And they're up to third now. Is this kind of... this? Griezmann-centred Cholo team now beginning to look more like the Atleti of old? I think so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's more of the defensive, we could say, closed downside that looks for those counter-attacks that we used to know from El Cholo because I thought last season he kind of changed a bit in that, in that sense where the team seemed to be more offensive and I think that never really worked out for for him or, or his players and I think Pellegrini summed up this game pretty well because he said uh, the team that went out to not lose one and the team that went out to win lost and maybe it's a bit, a bit bad sportsmanship from Pellegrini but I think it does sum up the game pretty well because Atletico uh, 
weren't the team generating the chances to be honest their first goal kind of came out of nowhere um and betis you know they they were pushing their more offensive side they they tried to to to, to go ahead and get the goals but uh, when atletico are really closed closed down closed sorry closed themselves down really well and, and you know are capable of, of defending at that level it's it's hard to score against them and yeah fakir gave them a chance at the end but uh, it's really difficult and griezmann as, as you were talking about him he's just playing so well he looks like that uh, fantastic Griezmann they sold to Barca uh, who we haven't seen in quite a while and now that Barca reached an agreement with Atletico to to sell him for a cheaper price now he starts scoring and becoming super important and you think like oof uh, this level we certainly could have sold him for those 40-50 million that uh, Atletico does but I think that's uh, we're already past that and we can't really change and get any more money out of him now so uh, credit to Atletico for, <laughs> for winning this game and for uh, winning the the Griezmann, we could say dilemma, you know, because they're going to keep him for a very good price. Absolutely. Yeah, very impressive performance from him. <laughs> and Atleti held on for a big three points. They now face a must-win game in the Champions League in midweek if they want to maintain hopes of reaching the knockout stages. Betis, of course, already qualified from their Europa League group. That's all we have time for for the first half, but stick with us. We'll round up all the rest of the matches from the weekend, including a, an emotional game in, uh, in the Ciudad de Valencia for Villarreal, and all the other games as well, including Five Star Rio. Stay tuned. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 11 recap. I'm here with Roman Darque from Barcelona. Uh, Villarreal had a very eventful game against Almeria uh, on Sunday evening. It was a 94th minute winner from Nico Jackson. Uh, and it was an emotional game in which they honoured their vice president, Yaneta, who passed away this week. Almeria took the lead through Gonzalo Melero, who scored his first goal for the club in his old home ground, of course, coming from Levante. 
and he dedicated it to his newborn child. There's a great story as well. Christina Bia on Relevo has, has, has uh, told us this story. He actually signed for Almeria while he was in the hospital with the, when his baby had some complications. So a really nice moment for him to dedicate that goal there, scoring his first goal. And then Almerian player Alex Baena equalised for Villarreal, lifted his shirt to reveal a dedication to Yaneta on a, a, an undershirt. And of course, the referee then had to show him a yellow card by the letter of the law, which was his second. So he was therefore sent off to the consternation of many. I think common sense probably should have applied here, Roman. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was ridiculous. Uh, in the first place, it's ridiculous to give a player a yellow card for, for taking off their shirt or for showing... Uh, well, technically, the rule says that you get a yellow card if you um, cover your head or you take off uh, your shirt. So, I mean, he covered his head for a second when he was taking it off and he didn't really take it off uh, completely. So I don't really understand uh, why he got the yellow. But in any case, even uh, if, if it was a yellow, I mean, I think I still think sorry, it's, it's ridiculous. And especially taking into account uh, what the message was, what the situation is for Villarreal, for, for the team. You know, they're all going through a lot. It's, it's a big blow for them. I think Paco explained this pretty well, how important Yaneza was uh, to Villarreal. So honestly, I understand that the ref has to apply the rules. But come on, as you said, common sense has to apply here, you know. And I just find it ridiculous that the ref uh, went ahead with this. Uh, hopefully they could maybe um, cancel that yellow card in the future through the court or whatever. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty disappointing uh, to see that uh, when you value something so much as a, as a person and you want to pay your respects in a way, um, I don't know, it really put uh, Villarreal against a, against, a ro- against a tight rope, you know, and they were in a very complicated situation. But that's what it is, you know, it's football and uh, refs do what they consider is, is the right thing, I guess. Interestingly enough, it's the same referee, De Burgos Bengoechea, who showed Gerard Moreno the yellow card at the uh, Civitas Metropolitano earlier in the season when Gerard Moreno did his dedication to his daughter mm-hmm. with the, the hands behind the ears. So very interesting that he's, he's <laughs> given the yellow card to both there. After the game, Villarreal's Twitter account posted perhaps the tweet of the day saying uh, a message declaring, this shirt is worth a million expulsions. So yeah, probably everyone's sentiments there entirely. But yeah, massive win for Villarreal, uh, 94th minute winner, as we said, Nico Jackson, another youngster on the score sheet, they're up to 7th now, and uh, yes, yeah, feels like a much needed win for Villarreal after that 3-0 defeat at Camp Nou. Elsewhere in the European picture, uh, La Real's incredible run of 8 wins consecutively came to a shuddering halt against Real Valladolid. It's uh, back-to-back wins now for Pucela, as Sergio, Sergio Leon continued his own purple patch. Uh, interestingly, Pachetta's Career La Liga wins, 21% of them have come this very month, 3 out of 14. So in, uh, encouraging signs for them. Roman, what did you take from this game? Yeah, I mean, Bayer are beginning to, to look stronger and stronger. Um, I did think they would be contenders for relegation, but at the moment, I mean, in, in the last five games, they've got three wins and a draw. Uh, that's definitely good work by Pacheta. And, and, and from this game, you can tell that they're they're improving defensively, they're improving offensively. They were struggling, sorry, struggling to get goals. And now, uh, for example, in Sergio Leon, they've, they've found someone who, who can really get those goals for them. And he just you can just tell he's in that moment where anything could go in for him, you know, and he's feeling really good and comfortable. 
Uh, and he's not a player that particularly uh, strikes as, as one of a top, we could say, like a Spanish striker. But, you know, uh, now he's in that gr- incredible moment and, and Pacheta is making the most of it. And the team as a whole, you know, uh, they look really good. They look really solid. And to stop uh, Real Sociedad from that amazing streak is, is impressive from Bayali, to be honest. So we'll have to keep an eye out for them because if they can keep up this level, uh, they could really save themselves from relegation really comfortably at the end of the season. Mm, an impressive win for them and a bit of a blip there for El Sociedad. But they do stay in fourth, given Betis lost as well. Uh, over at Mistaya, Edinson Cavani scored once again to maintain his good run. But they were shocked by Mallorca as uh, Vera Purici and Kangin Lee, of all people, came back to Mistaya to score the winner for Mallorca. Roman, this would have been an absolute sting in the tail for Valencia fans, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, in the first place, uh, when they lost Kangin Lee, they were pretty disappointed. And now to have him come back and, and score a winner late into the game, it's definitely a big blow because Valencia are doing things really well lately. Uh, Cavani is looking better and better in the team as a whole. It's good. I mean, I, I like Gattuso's Valencia, but it's true that there's still that unpredictability to, towards Valencia, you know, because sometimes they're performing really well and then they just are incapable of getting the results they need. And at home against Mallorca, you did expect them to maybe at least grab a draw, you know. They should have uh, got at least a point there. Uh, there is some um, controversy sorry, controversy in relation to the penalty given to Mallorca where apparently there is a, there's a camera which shows you that Nico doesn't actually touch uh, the attacker there in the eye, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. When you look at the replays, uh, I can understand why they gave the penalty. That might be harsh on Valencia, but still, despite that, uh, you'd expect uh, Valencia to get a better result. But credit to Mallorca also, who are doing uh, really good this season with Aguirre. Uh, I also thought they would be contenders, but, you know, they're, they're keeping stable. They're getting results. They were going through a bad streak, but now with that win, uh, this really helps them to get catch some catch a breath, we could say. Yeah, similar position to Real Valladolid in that kind of upper half of the of the bottom half of the table, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, really encouraging for them. And once again, having Murici back and then they were able to score goals again. He is so fundamental to the way they play. And uh, and as Paco said in the last podcast, again, he said Valencia would be probably title contenders if they, the first halves were counted. But of course, <laughs> in the second halves, probably a relegation candidate. That's how Jekyll and Hyde, their, their two halves of, of games have been. So let's let's see how they get on in their next few matches. Um, over to Vallecas, who started off the weekend on Saturday lunchtime, and they absolutely smashed Cadiz five goals to one. A brace from Florian Lejeune, who became the first player to score two different direct free kicks this season. And I remember tweeting, I bet nobody had that on their <laughs> bingo card for most likely to score two free kicks first this season. Um, yeah, right, decent home form now. I'm beaten in, in four after that long run without a win at home. And yeah, they scored five at the, in, or more in La Liga for the first time in over a decade. It was a, a really great performance from Mandoni Araola's men, wasn't it? Yeah, great performance. And also, I'd say a pleasant performance, easy performance in the end, because, you know, playing against 10 men and then playing against nine men really made it easy for them. I mean, the, the first goal came after uh, the sending off of Carcelen through the penalty spot. Uh, easy took the penalty instead of Trejo, who's the usual guy, but he missed the previous one. So I'm guessing uh, they decided to change things there. Uh, from there on, you know, it was just 
Rayo, 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 Rayo. They had 28 shots in total, whereas uh, Cadiz, of course, it's a miracle they even got a goal, you know, in the end, uh, thanks to a non-goal from uh, Bayou, I think it was. So, um, you know, there's not really much more to say here. Rayo were just the dominant side because of the sending offs that completely changed the face of the game. And from there on, there was not really a chance for Cadiz, especially after the second sending off. That was just game over for them. Yeah, finished off nine against ten, didn't it? Mm. Uh, dramatic game with plenty of cards and plenty of goals. Great entertainment for the neutral, I'm sure. Uh, but over in Cornellà, your neck of the woods, um, or at least in, in Barcelona itself, um, El Espanyol 2, Elche 2. Another topsy-turvy game. Elche took the lead through Pedemia, who's been in decent form since Jorge Almiron returned. Then Espanyol recovered to go 2-1 up, but then they conceded late to uh, Gonzalo Verdú. It feels like we've seen this game already from Espanyol quite a lot this season, doesn't it? Yeah, they're, they're really struggling to find solid home form, you know, and, and especially against a side like Elche, who we know have a new manager, are, are kind of bouncing back a bit. But still, they, they should be capable of getting a win against a side like this. And I think one of their problems, serious problems, is, is in the goal, you know, because both goalkeepers, Lecomte and, and Alvaro uh, Fernandez, aren't, aren't really performing to the expected level. In this case, it was Lecomte. I think in both goals, honestly, he could have done much more. Uh, they aren't really helping the team in that sense because you know that's, that's allowing the rivals to to score relatively not easy goals but you know uh, concede too easily for the team in Espanol's case and uh, despite Espanol's insistence to try and get the win uh, they had more uh, possession towards the end tried to, to get that 3-2 but it wasn't enough you know and it's not uh, every day that José is going to score a goal for them you know so in this case uh, he didn't get the winner but uh, Espanyol need more you know I think they also need time it's a new manager it's a new project Diego Martínez just came in and we, we know what he can do we've seen it with Granada he's fantastic so uh, you can also see the team is pretty united uh, when they celebrate the goals when you know they're together you can almost you can kind of tell uh, Diego Martínez is building that unity uh, we did see at Granada so hopefully uh, in a matter of time things will be better for Espanyol but uh, harsh draw for them because at home against Elche they should get more yeah I was going to ask this I mean that they're, they're laying in 13th with 10 points but they're only one clear of the drop is you know these continual kind of finding different ways to drop points do you think the pressure might be starting to build on Diego Martinez or do you think that there's still a lot of faith in him to be able to to bring his project through I think I think there's faith in him because they know what kind of manager he is and, and they had like a, a project set up together and also let's not forget that in the summer there were lots of problems because Raul de Tomas was meant to be sold mm. for a lot more money and with the money from Raul de Tomas they were supposed to bring in more signings at least two or three uh, so I think uh, the fact that uh, there was this beef with the Tomas and, and it didn't work out and they didn't manage to sell him on time for a good price and, and really uh, actually work the market properly I think that change things a bit so I wouldn't be surprised if towards the winter transfer market a couple of signings come in to try and uh, strengthen you know that that squad and and improve things Uh, but at the moment I wouldn't say uh, he's under pressure Espanyol you know despite only being uh, one point from the drop they are 13th in the standings Uh, there's still a lot of points to be played lots of things can happen at the moment so I think it's soon to to say that he's at any risk. Yeah, fair point. And as you say, given the weird nature of this season, the transfer market is only a few games away, really, in terms of <laughs> La Liga fixtures. So True. if they can just kind of, I think a lot of clubs will be thinking this, just plod along a little bit <laughs> until the World Cup and then they can reassess in the new year. As for Elche, they do remain the only winless side in La Liga. Four points from 11 games, five from safety. 
Um, yeah, it's looking quite bleak from them, but they did show some fight. So that's something to build on, perhaps, as you say. Poor old Carlos Clerc. Uh, 32 games now without a win in La Liga, taking his time at Levante and now these first few games with Elche. Uh, the longest run in Spanish football history. So uh, uh, hopefully he won't feel too bad this evening after a, another game without a win. Uh, the final game we need to talk about is uh, was also in Catalonia this weekend. It was Girona against Osasuna. 1-1 it finished. A cracking opener from Kike Barca was cancelled out before half-time by David Lopez. Uh, Girona edged out of the bottom three, but they will be back there if Hetafe pick up points against Celta in the Monday night game. Osasuna dropped to eighth, courtesy of Villarreal's win. But uh, yeah, Girona, six games without a win, including four defeats in that run. Is it time to be a bit worried if you're a Girona fan? Yeah, I think it is, uh, honestly, because uh, the team should be doing a bit better, especially at home. You know, I thought that there they would be capable of getting more points. Uh, a draw against Osasuna, I guess, isn't too bad because Osasuna are a strong side. They have started pretty well uh, this season, you know, but still, you know, they're still dropping lots of points where they should be getting more. And uh, there were some rotations, in this case, from Michel. I was surprised not to see Stuani start, given he's now fully recovered, you know, and we know how important he is, and he's been scoring uh, lately, uh, through, even, the, even though it was through the penalty spot. Uh, but also he gave Riquelme a rest, you know, he moved things around also in, in the fullbacks, uh, but it didn't pay off in the end, and uh, Girona are, are suffering, you know, and it seems like they might be really serious candidates for relegation if, if things don't change quickly, or, or maybe in this case... If we compare, uh, you were asking me before about Dio Martinez, if he's at any risk or in a delicate situation, I would say that Michel uh, is closer to that situation, you know. So if results don't come uh, soon before the the games end, before the World Cup, I could see something happen in there because it will also give the club time, you know, to find someone else to get him to work with the squad. So when the World Cup finishes, he's already, you know, got them more integrated in that sense. So we'll see what happens. But at the moment, it doesn't look great for Michel or, or for Girona. Mm. Well, they've got a nice game coming up away to Real Madrid, so I'm sure I'm sure they'll do do fine in that one. Uh, but yeah, jokes aside, after that they have Atletic at home and then Elche away. So you'd imagine they'd certainly like at least four points from mm. those two games to feel a little bit more comfortable before the World Cup. Well, thank you very much, Roman, for all your time and thank thoughts you. on the weekend's games. Uh, Celta against Hitafe is your Monday night game before the European action resumes. Barca, of course all but out of the Champions League. Real Madrid through Atleti, the team that have it all to play for. Sevilla will be trying to finish third and make sure they get into the Europa League. And as for the Europa League, Betis and Real Sociedad are already through, as are Villarreal, but they will all try and make sure they top their respective groups for a better draw. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out our Substack, laligalodown.substack.com for all our written content and follow us on Twitter at laligalodown. We'll be back with a preview podcast in midweek for next weekend's fixtures. But from all of us here, it's adios. Valeyen, Leyen, chuta golazo. Gol, 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 gol del Rayo. Libre directo que bota Leyen al palo donde estaba el portero. Al Cádiz le toca sufrir. Al Rayo le toca disfrutar. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 